Hello there, and welcome to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we catch up with the latest African football news as Morocco will replace Kenya as hosts of the 2018 African Nations Championship. Will they do a good job? We speak to Nigeria midfielder John Ogu, who plays his club football in Israel with Hapoel Beer Shiva. And we ask if it's a good place to be in terms of being noticed. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to say it, it does, you know, but the thing is um, playing week in, week out, I mean, that has really improved me, helped me a lot, you know, as a, as a football player, playing in Europe against some top side, you know. That's coming up later, but let's start at the FIFA Under-17 World Cup in India, where Ghana will play Mali in the quarterfinals on Saturday. The draw in the knockout stage didn't really work out well for Africa, as Ghana met Niger in the round of 16, and then progressing to meet Mali in the quarterfinals, uh, meaning really that African teams are knocking each other out because of the draw. Uh, but there is a guarantee that one African team will make it through to the semi-finals. It'll be either Ghana or Mali. And interesting to note that Mali's Lassana Jai is among the top goal scorers with five goals so far. And one great story for Africa was the hat-trick for Timothy Weah, the son of Liberia legend George Weah, who was the 1995 World Player of the Year. Well, Timothy plays for the USA. His hat-trick came against Paraguay in their 5-0 win in the round of 16. And uh, George Weah, his dad, is in the runoff for the Liberian presidential elections on the 7th of next month. Although Timothy's playing for the USA, he could switch to play for Liberia as long as he doesn't represent the USA at senior level. We'll see what happens there, and we hope that either Ghana or Mali can go all the way at the Under-17 World Cup. Now, Morocco will replace Kenya as hosts of the 2018 African Nations Championship. The Confederation of African Football unanimously decided to give Morocco the tournament ahead of Equatorial Guinea. Ethiopia had also put in a bid, but it was rejected because of lack of a government guarantee. So Morocco take over from Kenya, who had their right to host taken away by CAF due to poor preparations. The competition for locally based players is scheduled to take place in January and February of next year. So Solomon, Morocco are also on standby for the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations, that in the event that Cameroon are judged to be unable to host, and they're bidding for the 2026 World Cup. So ambitious, and will they make good hosts for the African Nations Championship? I feel Morocco is definitely going to make a good host. Uh, Morocco has uh, really competed in Africa major championships. They've been to the World Cup. The last time they hosted the AFCON was in 1988. The final was between Nigeria and Cameroon. Cameroon winning that via a penalty. And they they are also a sporting nation. They're not just a football nation like most of the African countries. Great hotel hotels because they are a tourist country. They're definitely going to make a great host. And, you know, I feel uh, we need to be able to, to celebrate Morocco. And I think Morocco would make a good host. Yeah, so the CHAN, the African Nations Championship on in Morocco early next year. 
Well, the semi-finals of the CAF Champions League are on this weekend. On Saturday, Widad Casablanca of Morocco take on USM Algier of Algeria. It's nil-nil from the first leg. And on Sunday, Al-Athli of Egypt play Etoile du Sahel of Tunisia. Etoile 2-1 up from the first leg, but Al-Athli with the away goal. So both games looking evenly poised. Now, all four semi-finalists are from North Africa. The defending champions Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa went out in the quarter-finals. So the usual dominance there for North Africa in the Champions League. And I have to say, a disappointing showing this time from teams outside of North Africa. Yes, Steve, definitely a very disappointing showing from teams outside of uh, North Africa. You know, as expected, I thought maybe a Mamelodi Sundown was going to do well and and be able to defend this uh, trophy that they won last season. And also you expected a lot from uh, the West African teams as usual, not forgetting the Congolese teams, but we, it's, it's disappointing, you know. And, and again, it's because most players from West Africa particularly, as soon as they get one or two opportunities... They move to Europe, so we we lose them. So uh, and clubs definitely uh, feel the loss because now they have to look for replacements. Unlike North African teams, where the players uh, stay a little bit longer playing for some of the top clubs like Zamalek, Al Hali, or USM, uh, you know, until they get to a certain level. Yes, certainly North African teams able to build stronger squads than most teams elsewhere across Africa, exception being TP Mazembe of DR Congo and a few other clubs as well. Well, TP Mazembe play in the semi-finals of the Confederation Cup this weekend. They're away to Fus Rabat of Morocco. Mazembe have a 1-0 lead. The other semi-final, Club African of Tunisia, hosts Supersport United of South Africa. 1-1 from the first leg. Much more balanced in the second-tier Confederation Cup in the semi-finals with two North African clubs, one from Central Africa and one from the south of the continent. Well, now to our interview with Nigeria midfielder John Ogu, who plays his club football in Israel with Hapoel Beersheba. We spoke to Ogu earlier this year on the challenges that he's faced and his faith as a follower of Jesus Christ. Ogu watched from the bench as Nigeria sealed a place at next year's World Cup in Russia with their victory over Zambia. And 29-year-old Ogu, who's been brilliant for his club in this season's Europa League, narrowly missed out on selection for the 2014 World Cup in Brazil. So he'll be hoping for better fortunes this time. Ogu has 12 appearances for the Super Eagles. He was on the bench for the two games against Cameroon in World Cup qualifying and for that one against Zambia. Ogu spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji on biding his time and on his tough journey to the top. I mean, it's something to be, to be proud of, you know, the, you know making, the, uh, making the squad you know, to, to, the, um, to the next World Cup for next year. Um, I, feel, I feel blessed, you know, but... Um, I think it's something we deserve because we worked out for this, you know. And now we're now we've qualified for the World Cup. Now now we're looking forward to the World Cup, and hopefully, you know, I get to you know I get to be in the flight you know, to to Russia um, 2018. Do you think playing in Israel counts against you? I mean, I don't know. I don't. I'm not going to say it, it does, you know. But the thing is, um, playing week in week out. I mean, that has really improved me, helped me a lot, you know, as a as a football player playing in Europe against some top side, you know. So yeah, like I said, you know, I'm just I'm I'm, I'm in the national team to help my my country to qualify which is what we've done you know yeah I don't I know it's difficult you know not to play but um you know I'm happy for the guys you know because everyone is working out everyone is playing good so yeah I'm here to support like I said you know. 
every time you post on social media, you always emphasize the fact that God has been good to you because you didn't see yourself coming this far. Your journey, God's been there all, all through the journey, I guess. Yeah, God, God has God has really done a wonderful job in my life. You know, that's why I'm always you know thanking Him because I feel like without Him, you know, I'm not I'm not going to be where I am today. You know, um, you know, He has really helped me. Has really um, you know, fight for me. There's so many battles you know that I've, that I've gone through. You know, that I feel like I. I I should have given up, you know, but you know, I mean, God helped me, and and today I'm happy playing my football. I'm improving every day. I feel like I'm I'm a better player from you know from from many years back, you know. So yeah, I just want to keep working. I just want to you know keep um you know fighting and you know keep improving myself as a player. And I believe um when my time comes, you know, definitely I'll you know I'll make use of it. At some point in Portugal, you were unpaid. You had no contract. And it was difficult for you to pay your rent and all that. I remember each time you talk then, you always say, I can only turn to God. What were the conversations we were having with God at that point in time? Yeah, then it was for him to help me, you know, it was for him to fight my battle, you know, because then it was really tough, like I said earlier on, you know, I almost gave up, I almost, you know, move move on from football, you know, but, you know, I thank God for, for the family that I had, you know, my, my parents, my, my my sisters, my my little friends then, you know, so they, they really pushed me, you know, and they really helped me, you know, they really encouraged me, you know. And um, yeah, today I'm, I'm here. Today I'm, I've won titles, you know, for my clubs, my club in Israel, playing in Europa League, you know, played against good, good side, you know, you know. So yeah, I mean, for me, it's more of um, working and working and you know, believing that when the time comes, you know, I'll definitely you know grab the chance. That's Nigeria midfielder John Ogu talking about his football, the challenges that he faces, and his faith as a follower of Jesus Christ. Ogu then plays his club football in Israel with Hapoel Beer Shiva. I'm joined by Stuart Weir from the UK. Uh, so Stuart Ogu saying that uh, while playing in Israel might make it harder to get recognition in the national team, at least he gets to play week in, week out there. So how strong is football in Israel? Well, Israel is ranked 82 in the world, so they're certainly not one of the major powers. Beram Kayal plays for Brighton, and he's the only Israeli currently in the Premier League, uh, but he hasn't actually played this season as yet. And probably the most famous Israeli player ever is Yussi Banayun, who at 37 is still playing in Jerusalem. Uh, of course, he played for Liverpool, West Ham, Chelsea, Arsenal, QPR during nine years in England, and he's got 97 caps for Israel. No Israeli team has ever made any impact on the Champions League. For example, this year's team, Hapel Beersheba, were eliminated in the final qualifying round. Now, there are 14 clubs in the Israeli league, and they have 17 African players. And in fact, only three clubs do not have an African player. And we've got eight Nigerians, three from Guinea, two from Cote d'Ivoire, and one each from Cameroon, Congo, Zambia, and Whitford, Steve, Togo. Let me just pick out one or two of those for you, Steve. Now, we've been listening to John Ugu, who, of course, previously played in Slovenia, a small country in Central Europe. And in fact, he's one of four Africans in Israel who've previously played in Slovenia. And funny, we were talking about the lack of African goalkeepers overseas. And I can tell you about Bamadel Ayunuba, a Nigerian goalkeeper who currently plays for Hapel Ashkelon. And he has played 330 games for Israeli clubs in the last 10 years. So there's a a Nigerian goalkeeper who served well in, in Israel. 
and in fact the Hapel Akko have two Nigerians, both of them in their first season in Israel. There's Peter Onyesachi, who's come straight from Nigeria to play in Israel, and then there's Chibuzor, who has been playing in Uruguay for three years. I mean, quite remarkable that a Nigerian player should go to Uruguay in South America and then finish up in Israel. And we've got Richard Suma from Guinea, who plays for Maccabi Petrus. And he spent 14 years playing in France before coming to Israel. So it's interesting how these players do travel around uh, finding teams to play. And, of course, I have to mention Didier Kugbenya, the Togolese player, who's playing for Maccabi Netanya. And he's 21, but this is his fifth season in Israel. So uh, good to see a boy from Togo having a bit of success overseas. Uh, and the final one to mention is Edgar Paul from Cote d'Ivoire, who's 19, and he plays for Bitar Jerusalem, the same club as Benayoun, but he's on loan from Finland. So quite how an Ivorian gets to Finland and then gets loaned to Israel. Quite fascinating the way some of our African players finish up all over Europe. Uh, yeah, amazing uh, some of these journeys that uh, players make to unlikely countries. Uh, Stuart, Israel is actually in the Middle East. Uh, it's not part of Europe, it's in Asia. So how does Israel get to play in the UEFA club competitions and also the European qualifiers for the World Cup? Well, Israel joined FIFA in 1929. And of course, as you say, the country is in Asia and it originally played in Asia. But then in 1958, Israel was scheduled to play a World Cup qualifier and the other Asian teams refused to play. And then in 76, Israel was actually expelled from the Asian Football Federation simply because the Arab nations around them don't recognize Israel and weren't prepared to play. So initially, Israel joined Australia in Oceania but from 91 on, they have been part of UEFA. And, for example, in the qualifying rounds for the 2018 World Cup, Israel found themselves in the same group as Spain and Italy. They finished fourth, but a long way from qualifying. And incidentally, Steve, Israel has only ever reached the World Cup finals once. That was in 1970, where they drew with Italy, drew with Sweden, and lost to Uruguay and did not qualify for the knockout stage. Well, thanks, Stuart, uh, for that insight into football in Israel. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Then you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programs too in our extensive archive. Also, you can listen to the show on our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com, and our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. And now we turn to social media, and the 30-man shortlist for the 2017 Ballon d'Or was released last week, but it only included two Africans, that's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang of Borussia Dortmund and Gabon, and Senegal and Liverpool forward Sadio Mane. So last week we asked, are there any other players who should have been on the shortlist, or do you think that this is a fair reflection? Well, on WhatsApp, Emma in Ghana says, yes, it is fair, but I'd also wanted the inclusion of Victor Moses and Mohamed Salah. Uh, better luck to them next time. 
Alpha Jallo in the Gambia agrees, saying, yes, it is a fair selection in my opinion, but they should at least have included Mohamed Salah, who is doing great at Roma, and continued that wonderful performance at Liverpool and extending it to his nation. I think Salah deserves a place there, says Alpha. And Fali Bojang in the Gambia agrees too, saying it's fair because they are the only two African players that performed to their best last season. Also in agreement is Daniel in Ghana, saying I believe the players who made the shortlist deserve to be there. African players have not lived up to expectations both last season and this season. It takes more than being average to be nominated. And if others want to be there, they should put up maximum effort and up their game. For me personally, says Daniel, it's a fair list and I'm proud to see Aubameyang and Mane making the shortlist. Barry in Sierra Leone says it is fair because we have fewer Africans performing well at the top level right now. And Prince Lewis also in Sierra Leone agrees, saying, yeah, it's a fair selection. Obama Yang was prolific last season and Mane's impact on Liverpool. Well, we all know about that. Also in agreement is Sana Balde from the Gambia saying, I think Mane and Obama Yang are the only two really fine players from Africa playing in Europe right now. Uh, in Nigeria, Abina says it's a fair reflection. For some time now, only a few African players are in the top class. I don't think any others aside from these two deserve it from Africa. However, AIKOB in the Gambia thinks only one African deserved his place among the nominations. Aubameyang remains the only African that deserves to make it to the shortlist, says AIK. Sadio Mane as a player and Liverpool as a club were both just average last season in all senses and Mane should not have been on the shortlist. No, there shouldn't have been any other Africans there, says AIK. But many disagreed and felt that there should have been more Africans receiving the Ballon d'Or nomination for the Player of the Year. Barang Sane from the Gambia says, I think Nabi Keita of RB Leipzig in Germany should be included. And Abdullah Bar also in the Gambia says, it's not fair to us. I think Keita should be on that list. Barang and Abdullah are referring to the 22-year-old Guinea international midfielder who is contracted to join Liverpool in June of next year. Alaji S. Fai in the Gambia says it's not fair in my opinion because Riyad Mahrez deserved to be on that list. Mohamed Krubali, also in the Gambia, agrees that two Africans on the shortlist isn't enough. Africans always struggle when it comes to the Ballon d'Or, says Mohamed. When we were supposed to win it in the past, they gave us a master dribbler, not the best player. Remember JJ Okocha? I think players like Mares, Islam Slimani, Vincent Abubakar of Cameroon, even John Michelobi and Nabi Keita all deserve to win it, not just to be shortlisted, says Mohamed. And Basiru Salah in the Gambia is also disappointed. This is unfair for African players, says Basiru. Where are the likes of Nabi Keita, Idrissa Gay, Victor Moses, Mohamed Salah? And the list goes on, says Basiru. Usman Beckham Kamara in the Gambia disagrees with the African players chosen to make it onto the shortlist. It's not and never is fair, says Usman. Victor Moses of Chelsea and Nigeria has played more than Mane and Aubameyang, so why were they selected and not Moses, asks Usman. Sana Jaune, also in the Gambia, says, well, it seems to me it's not fair to Africa because they only select those playing in the European leagues. We have some very talented players who did well for their clubs in other leagues, says Sana. 
And a frustrated Bakary Tamba in the Gambia says the Ballon d'Or has never been for African players, so let them count themselves out of the race. And finally on this one, a voice note from Mahari Cham in the Gambia who got in touch on WhatsApp. I couldn't think of any other African player being in the shortlist than these two, Sadio Mane and Pierre Emery. I was trying to think of any other player that could have a more deserved place in this 30-man squad. But I think I tend to agree with the 30-man shortlist. Sadio Mane and Abominyang, they really deserve to be there. And then another player who quite did well was Victor Moses. But the 30-man shortlist, the 30-man players, I think they deserve much to be there than Victor Moses or any other African player. So, Mahari, happy with the list. Uh, now, Solomon, I'd love to hear your views on this. Seems like there's just not so many top African players around right now. Steve, I don't feel there is any other play, African player outside of uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and also Liverpool forward Sadio Mane, who should have been on the shortlist. Gone are the days where Africa used to really produce great midfielders and, and great defenders, you know, and, and I feel we, we have lacked in that department. The only players we have now nominated for in the shortlist for uh, the 30-man shortlist is, uh, you know, two forwards. Uh, and also a lot of African, great African players, you know, who used to play in, in Europe, a lot of them are moving to, to China in the peak of their career because of the money, obviously. Uh, so uh, some of the players are supposed to be in Europe in their prime, 27, 28, 29. They've moved to, to China. And uh, moving to China is not really going to help you when it comes to winning individual awards like this. OK, so Solomon, pretty clear there, feeling that there aren't as many big star players from Africa as there used to be. Well, this week on Facebook and WhatsApp, we're taking you back to the days when there were a lot of great African players back in the 90s and the early 2000s. Because on next week's show, we have an interview with former Nigeria and Arsenal striker Nwanko Kanu. He's been visiting some countries with the FA Cup trophy and we'll hear from him on the programme next week. So tell us, how great a player was Kanu, and what are your memories of his playing days? So go to our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. How great a player was Nwanko Kanu, and we'll hear from him on Planet Sport Football Africa next week. Well, let's talk European football now and some goals for Africans in the UEFA Champions League uh, this week. Egypt's Mohamed Salah continues his superb season. He scored twice for Liverpool away to Maribor of Slovenia in their thumping 7-0 victory. Italian club Napoli's Guinea midfielder Amadou Diawara scored from the spot, although they lost 2-1 to Manchester City. Real Madrid drew 1-1 with Tottenham and Tottenham's right-back Serge Aurier of Ivory Coast provided their goal. His cross turned in by Real Madrid into their own net, but then Aurier conceded a penalty which Ronaldo converted. And Paris Saint-Germain impressed again, winning 4-0 away to Anderlecht of Belgium, with Senegal defender Kar Mbodji having a tough time facing the likes of Neymar, Kylian Mbappe and Edson Cavani. 
So that's in the UEFA Champions League. Let's look at the English Premier League now. And our European football expert Stuart Weir still with us from the UK. Craig Shakespeare, the Leicester City manager, was fired midweek. Uh, that after a 1-1 draw with West Brom where Riyad Mahrez, uh, the Algerian, scored. But that left Leicester still in the relegation zone and he became the second manager to be fired in England this season. At the top of the table, Stuart, Manchester City two points clear and manager Pep Guardiola said that the 7-2 win over Stoke last weekend was the best performance during his time at the club. Well, I think the cynical Manchester City fan might say, well, we've waited quite a long time to have it because last season Manchester City really didn't excite that much. But this season has been amazing. That's 29 goals in their opening eight league games. And, of course, as you will remember, Steve, the last time that was done was an 1894-95 season. Strange game against Stoke because City went 3-0 up in half an hour, but just after half-time it was back to 3-2. Then City got four goals in the second half. The Stoke manager, Mark Hughes, said he thought at 3-2 Stoke were in with a chance. And then Kevin De Bruyne, in Hughes' words, proved that he's the best player in the Premier League. Jesus scored two goals for Manchester City in that game. And now that new Brazilian striker really looks an awesome player. I think they've done really well to get him and he could develop into one of the world's best. And you may have noticed also that Silva scored twice for Man City. That is, David Silva scored one and Bernardo Silva scored the other. And now this is the first time the two players with the same surname have scored in a Premier League game since Joe Cole and Carlton Cole did it for West Ham. One other thing to say about the Manchester City win is that Yaya Torre came on as a substitute for 18 minutes and that's his first Premier League appearance of the season. And also let's spare a thought for Mamadiov who scored one and a half goals for Stoke That's to say he scored the first, and the second was an own goal by Kyle Walker, who deflected Dioff's effort in. So when you score two goals away from home, you might hope to get something out of the game without reckoning on the opposition scoring seven. Yes, man, Biriam Juf of Senegal firmly on the losing side as Stoke went down 7-2 to Manchester City. Well, Crystal Palace shocked Chelsea as they finally got a win and Ivory Coast Wilfred Zaha was instrumental in the victory. Well, you know, we have a saying here that uh, you wait for a bus and then two come at once. And Crystal Palace have not scored in their previous eight league games and they score and they score two and they win the game. And uh, Chelsea, you know, who are the champions, are now nine points behind Manchester City. And as you say, Wilfred Saha had an excellent game as well as scoring the winning goal. And I think, you know, there's a few murmurs around as what a shame that he's opted for Ivory Coast rather than for England. And indeed, that Manchester United might be regretting that they signed him, didn't really play him and let him go again. Because he certainly looks now to have the potential to be a really top Premier League striker. And I suppose it's only speculation, but if Zaha had not got injured in the first game of the season, perhaps we wouldn't have waited so long for the first Crystal Palace goal. Just to mention one or two other uh, Premier League games, Swansea beat Huddersfield 2-0. Now Jordan Ayew, the Ghana player, 
played in that game, but Wilfred Bonney was not involved at all. So things have not really gone so well for Wilfred in his return to Swansea. The big game on paper was Liverpool against Manchester United, but frankly it put people to sleep because both teams seemed so determined not to lose that they set themselves out to stop the opposition playing rather than to attack themselves. Arsenal lost 2-1 at Watford. They were leading 1-0 but conceded a penalty, which Arsene Wenger described as a disgraceful decision. And finally, one word on the championship. Reading won 1-0 and Modo Barrow, the Gambian, scored. And the win was against Leeds United, where you may remember Modo was on loan last year but hardly got a game. I bet he enjoyed putting one over on Leeds United. Well, great stuff from Modu Barrow. Let's hope he continues to get the goals at Reading in the English Championship. Big game in the Premier League this weekend, Tottenham against Liverpool on Sunday. Well, thanks a lot to Stuart Weir in the UK, and that's it for the show for this week. But on Facebook and WhatsApp, we're asking how great a player was Nwankwo Kanu, the former Nigeria and Arsenal striker. He's been visiting some countries in Africa with the FA Cup trophy, and we'll hear from him on next week's show. So how great a player was Kanu, and what are your memories of his playing days? Go to our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa, and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.